Hello and thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. It has been said that the only greatness is the greatness of humility. And if you think about it, truly great men and women are always humble and teachable. And Renee and I witnessed the truth of this the other day firsthand when we visited City Hall and we met our Mayor, Mayor Dan Carter. Dan welcomed us into his office and openly shared his time, his wisdom and his life story with us. Dan showed great humility. He was vulnerable, unguarded and an immediate friend. And so we invited Dan Carter to be our guest on It Is Written Canada today. Yes, Dan is here to tell us about how he turned his life around from struggling with alcoholism and homelessness to becoming the Mayor of Oshawa, Ontario, a major city in the Greater Toronto Area. We are so thankful to have him here visiting with us. Welcome Mayor Dan Carter to Eddie's Written Canada. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you today. And yeah, you're right. I mean, having a second chance uh, through recovery is one thing, but the first chance really came early in my life. This is uh, fascinating to me, your story of how you went from um, having a second chance, from being on the streets and homeless and struggling with addictions to uh, getting that second chance at life. But before we go there, I want to talk about that first chance, the first chance that you got at life. I was the last of seven to be born uh, in my biological family and um, in the early days of uh, my life my, my mother passed away and if you had children under the age of two, fathers didn't bring up children uh, and especially if you had seven children, you just didn't look after them and myself and my, my um, brother Tommy were put into care at the Children's Aid Society and I always say that my life has been tested and blessed and I, I think it was blessed because of the reason that not only the many foster homes that I went through, but I ended up in the Carter household. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that was a blessing in disguise. I think mm -hmm. that they were just the right parents at the right time. And I think that even though they had three of their own children, they, they welcomed me into their family. I, I'd have to say that that was my very first uh, chance at life. And, I, mm -hmm. and um, Maya Dan Carter, I understand that school was not easy <laughs> for you. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty difficult. I always I always think about my school years, and I always I like to tell the story about, you know, going down to see the principal or going out to the smoking lounge to see the principal. And I, and I was in grade four at the time, and I I went down to see him to be able to say, listen, I think that you and I better talk about parking because apparently <laughs> I'm going to be here a long time. And uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a difficult period of time, and I had um, what is now known as something very well known, and I mean really well-known people around the world have dyslexia, but in the 60s, uh, you were either a student that was fully engaged or you were a student that wasn't engaged. And I think that that really kind of set the tone for my education as I moved forward, is it was a painful period of time because of my learning disability. So I failed uh, grade one a couple times, or grade two a couple times, grade three a couple times. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point that by the time I was in grade four, I was like six foot two. So you knew that I was gonna be there a long, long time. but. It was a painful experience, but I'm glad that later in life I, I finally came to terms with uh, my dyslexia, but also understanding what education really can do for one. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It must have been very hard for your mom 
for your parents to yeah. see you struggling like that, but specifically your mother, because as a mother, we're nurturing and we don't like to see our children struggle. So what role did your mother play in helping you through your difficulty in school? Significant role. And, and my mother loved books and loved to read, and she, and she really could see the joy in reading. And it really, I think she, she really suffered seeing me suffer so much about reading, that it became so difficult that she, she couldn't translate that love for reading and learning into me, and I mm -hmm. just got more and more frustrated and angry because I couldn't do the work. My mother's belief in me, and really believing that I had the ability, that I had, the, my brain could learn, I think the problem being is not understanding, truly understanding what dyslexia was doing or, or being diagnosed. Mm -hmm. I think it made it frustrating for both of us, but she played a significant role. Mm -hmm. And your father, he wanted to give you confidence. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he, he knew he couldn't do it that way, so he, he, he got you to do a paper route. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I wasn't very good, uh, like I never had skills or abilities in regards to uh, fixing anything, and I've never been. I, I, I always say that I, you know, I've got a telephone book at home, and it's there for a particular reason, because I can phone a repairman, because <laughs> I can't fix anything. But my dad was really handy, but my mom and dad both could see that I was struggling really early on in my life, and I was becoming... I don't know if you'll find this surprising, but at one time I used to be a, a like I talked a lot and I've changed <laughs> a lot apparently. Um, but they could see that I was starting to to kind of pull back and I was starting to isolate. I could they could see that I was losing my confidence. And I think my dad thought a paper route to 14 houses, um, you know, his natural ability to be able to connect with people. And I would say it was the best job I ever had. I got uh, hot chocolate and cookies at every door. And um, I, I don't even get that as mayor. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I just, I, I absolutely loved it. And so my parents always said, we know the 14 houses that you deliver the paper to, but you don't go into the gas station because we don't know who owns that. And um, unfortunately, um, um, through that experience, one day I did go into that gas station. I never spoke about what happened in that gas station for 30 years. And um, I was a young boy, and unfortunately, I was raped in that in that place by the owner, and <clears throat> that did a lot to me um, at a young age. Didn't really understand what went on, but I was so ashamed that I never shared that until mm. I until I had the opportunity to be in re mm. rehab. So mm. it was difficult. Awful. It was really difficult. Mm. So you experienced one trauma after another, yeah. Yeah. and yet you just kept on going. Was there ever a time in your life that you felt like, I just, I can't do this anymore, and you were ready to give up? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that um, you get to a point where, I always say that my life has been tested and blessed. Mm -hmm. So tested losing my parents when I was young, blessed because I was brought into a really wonderful family. And, mm -hmm. and uh, tested because I went to school and I, and I did poorly, uh, but blessed because I had a parent that believed in me. Mm -hmm. um, tested because uh, of, the, of the reason that, you know, I, I was going through depression young um, and, and blessed that, um, that I had people that loved me so much and mm -hmm. surrounded me. Um, you know, tested when I was raped, uh, but also in the back end many years later, blessed that, that mm -hmm. there was forgiveness found. Um, you can't walk around with, with all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and continue to be able to carry it because I think what yeah. happens is it'll destroy you. But absolutely, I think you you look at it after a while, event after event after event mm -hmm. after event after mm -hmm. event. Mike, you can relate right. to this, and I, I, mm -hmm. it yeah. just 
it's it's after a while you just sit there and you say you know when is it going to stop what, when's it going to stop and yeah. why is this happening to me right. and i think that you really buy in uh, to the victimization of being a right. victim of things yes and i think you have to come to terms with that and in my circumstance unfortunately it got to a point that when my brother michael was killed uh, when i was 13 and he was a police officer i just it didn't make sense to me mm -hmm. and it, you kind of sit there and go okay yeah. like I don't understand what this means. But that was you, the straw. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and it's, yeah. you really, you, you kind of wake up the next day yeah. and think, well, you know, everything will be fine. It's just a bad dream. And what you find out is it, it's not. Yeah. And I reached out to, of course, drugs and alcohol at that time. And, mm -hmm. how, how bad did that get for you, the, the drugs and the alcohol? And, and how long did that last? So it lasted about 17 years, 13 to about 31. Um, um, and I always say that I was mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, and spiritually broken. Mm. I was broken in every aspect. Um, I got to a point that by, you know, near the end of my um, drinking career, I mean, I, I lost my friends, I lost my family, I lost everything. I mean, it was just, you destroy everything around you. It's like, a, a you know, you're engulfed in this kind yeah. of... Um, you're poisonous to everybody and you know you treat people badly and you lie and you cheat and you steal and you do all the things that mm -hmm. uh, that's not who you are but it got really bad so how did you decide to change like yeah. when was the turning point in your life so it was june of uh, 1991 and my uh, I, I woke up one day i was in a rooming house um, that i was staying in uh, temporarily and I woke up that morning and I, I, I shake really bad. Um, I'm hypoglycemic but also the drugs and alcohol had done a lot of bad things to me and um, I woke up that morning and went there's a, a bathroom that was on the main floor everybody had to use it kind of thing and I looked in the mirror and I, and I, I really for the very first time I really saw what I had become and I think it was the first time that I realized that I was in a lot of trouble and I, you, instinctively I knew that day that I would die if I didn't do something immediately. And so I had a couple dollars in my pocket. I phoned my sister from a payphone and just said, you know, Maureen, I'm in a lot of trouble. And she said, why don't you come to the house and we can talk. And she, you know, my sister still, in a way she had distanced herself from me, but she, she also believed in me. She never gave up on mm -hmm. me. She kind of thought, I know there's something good there. Mm -hmm. it's, this, it's this poison that is, that's kind of grabbed him. And I went over to see my sister and my sister kind of, um, she lived in a, a very large house and she had uh, a maid and she opened up the door and she kind of looked at me and thought, geez, I know this guy, but I don't really know. Oh, wow. I walked into the kitchen and my sister was sitting there reading uh, the newspaper and she dropped the newspaper. She didn't say a word, she walked right across the room and slapped me across the side of the head and she said, you have two choices today. You can either die or you can sober up, but you're going to make one of those choices today. And it was just... I broke down because it came from such a place where you knew she was so sincere. Mm -hmm. she, she, you knew instinctively yeah. Yeah. there was no other choice. There wasn't a third choice. Mm -hmm. That choice was going to be, be made that day. And I think my sister's, my sister's kind of in your face, something's yeah. going to change today, Yes, kind of made me say, something has to yeah. change today. It's either I do that or I die. Yeah, yes. I knew who I was at that point mm -hmm. wasn't who I really was. Ah, that's a big one. Yeah. To understand this yeah. is not me. Yeah. I am not this person I'm looking at in the mirror. Yeah. So 
you, what did you, you went into recovery? Yeah, my sister arranged through a friend of hers that I would go into recovery. I had to go to the United States to get recovery. I was in hospital for about a year. And mm -hmm. so uh, the program was in Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get into that program. My sister arranged for it and I was able to get into this year long program. And really what it was is um, I spent about the first three months in ICU really kind of because I, I couldn't eat solid foods. You know, I was just physically, I wasn't in good shape. Um, but I spent that period of time in ICU and really kind of recovered in regards to physical aspect. Mm -hmm. Then came the emotional uh, aspect that I had to recover from. And there was a lot of really interesting moments at that time. I mean, it was the very first time that I talked about being adopted and really trying to understand mm -hmm. what that meant and why, why it impacted me the way it did. Very first time I talked about being raped as a little boy and how I, how I, uh, that affected me. I, it was the first time that I talked about my reading difficulties and I, I, mm. I don't know if I shared it with you but I, I still remember I went to my very first 12-step group and, and I had my big book which is part of Alcoholics Anonymous and you have to stand up and say, hi, my name's Dan Carter, I'm a cigar alcoholic and drug addict. And they go, hi Dan, how are you? 12-step screws, by the way, are, mm -hmm. are tremendous. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to sit down and the counselor said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I was just going to sit down. He said, this is a group that participates, Mr. Carter. And I see that you have your big book here. And he said, you're lucky enough because you're going to do our first reading today. And I was 31 years old. And I, I know that some of your viewers may be able to relate to this. And I know, Mike, you can relate <laughs> to this. But I was absolutely ashamed. Yeah. And I, I just broke out in a sweat and I was red and I was shaking. And I had to sit there and say, yeah. I can't read. And he said, Mr. Carter, he said, do you want your life to change today? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I just need you to try. This is a moment you can invest in somebody's life. Yes. And it can change your life forever. And he knew it instinctively. Yeah. And that changed me. And he said, you know, afterwards, uh, he came to me and he said, who's the one person you'd like to meet in your life? And I said, um, well, I'd like to meet Martin Luther King. He said, well, you know, he's dead. I said, you didn't qualify. <laughs> so <laughs> you just asked me. And, uh, and he said, let me see what I can do. And, you know, a little while, uh, about a, I, I, within the week, he came back and he said, I want you to meet a friend of mine. And I said, okay. And he, he had the autobiography of Martin Luther King. And he said, Martin Luther King, meet Dan Carter. Dan Carter, meet Martin Luther King. It changed my perspective. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. changed that relationship yeah. instead of shame and, yeah. and embarrassment. It, it showed me that I could, I could connect with it. So you learned a lot in recovery. Yeah. How long did that last? Well, I'm almost 30 years sober and, I, and I'm continuing to learn. Uh, but I mean, the year in California helped me tremendously. When I came out of rehabilitation, I had to do a lot of things. Yeah. I had to ask for forgiveness. I had to make, um, I had to make amends. I, um, I, I, I had to repair my relationship with my sister and my brother. Mm -hmm. I had to re repair my relationship with my mother and father. Um, they needed to see that I really had changed. It took about right. three years for them to really see, did Danny actually change or is this yeah. just another, yeah. you know? And I think, you know, a lot of parents go through that. When yes. they see loved ones that have an addiction problem, they see that that individual, they really, they're hoping that yes. this is the moment, this is right? The one, yeah. But they don't want to be so uh, bought in that they get so disappointed. So it mm -hmm. took about three years. And through that period of time, there was a lot of things that were happening. My dad, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So that really kind of affected uh -huh. My parents were elderly and 
but I'm really grateful and I'm, I'm blessed because of the reason that I was given the opportunity mm -hmm. to be able to show my parents that who they saw as a two-year-old they, they adopted was the same boy that sat in front nice. of them when I was 31. Mm. Nice. So I think that that was, I was very, very lucky that way. And so Maya Dan, tell us about your Christian experience mm -hmm. during recovery. Mm -hmm. So a big part of it is, you've probably heard this before, is people that go into recovery, they, they there's a, there's a difficulty with God. They, mm -hmm. A lot of people struggle with God. And there's a couple things. I think one is, is because people that, uh, that have a battled addiction and mental health issues, um, they blame somebody. And the only person that they can really blame is their creator. And whoever that, for some people, they, you know, they, they have different faith beliefs. In my circumstance, I, I was brought up through my parents that uh, we were Presbyterians mm -hmm. and went to church. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't really relate to it as a child because having a learning disability and hearing the Old Testament is, to me anyways, is very difficult to, how does that make sense? So it didn't make sense to me and it wasn't relatable and it, so it was hard. I always say my, my father, my father, we'd go to church. My father got some of his best sleeping done at church, I gotta be honest with you. It's, and, uh, but I, as a child, I went to church, but it wasn't relatable, but in yeah. recovery, Part of it is you have to give your, your life up to a higher power. And mm -hmm. in the circumstances, it is God. You have to give your life up mm -hmm. uh, to that and put it, because the kind of control we had in our lives didn't work. Mm -hmm. So, you know. But also, many of us that are in recovery, we need to blame somebody for this. Right. We're a victim. Yep. All these bad things happen to me, yep. by the way. All this, 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 yeah, this, yeah. this. And, I, and, I, and I, I truly have grown in my faith tremendously, especially over the last 16 or 17 years. I mm -hmm. think I've, I've really seen that it's a foundational piece um, that I, I relate more and more. I understand it more. Mm -hmm. I, I had a, a conversation just after um, my sister Maureen, unfortunately I lost my sister Maureen, mm -hmm. uh, May um, uh, 17th, 2000. Um, she, she made a decision to end her life. Mm -hmm. And that was devastating for me. And I was of nine course. years into sobriety. And I went to uh, my pastor, uh, Pastor Doug Snyder at the time, and mm. I said, like, I, I, I don't get this. Yeah. Mm. I don't get this, and yeah. I'm struggling. And he said, have you ever read the Bible from front to back? And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, I want you to read the message, because he said, that may be connectable in, to in you. In your language, mm. right. you can find Right, so I could understand it. Mm. So I, um, I started reading that, and, and I think that what happened was, I came to a kind of a, a moment where I had to say to myself, my creator is either somebody that is dark and vengeful and, and punishing people, or he's light and love and compassion and kindness. That is the big question. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, in my opinion, yes. right, Mike, I truly couldn't believe that my, my God was of darkness. I believed that he was of light. Mm -hmm. And so once I accepted that, then I had to say to myself, well, then why would God why would God put me through this? Right. Mm. And then I think what happened was there was, I had to make a decision. If, he, if I believe that he's light and love and care and compassion, then I also then have to say to myself, then he put me through this to equip me differently. Yes. So once I came to terms that, that I wasn't being punished, mm. I was being prepared. Mm -hmm. I think that changed the equation altogether, right? Yeah. And so then I understand, oh, so I have a learning disability because millions of people have a learning disability right. and my experience may help others. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, 
children are being sexually assaulted, millions of children. Have, oh, now I get why that's mm. You know, all of those experiences right. in the darkness helped me understand that God wasn't punishing me, he was preparing me. Uh, and when I understood that, wow. then things started to connect. And I think that that's where anger, bitterness, um, uh, you know, darkness kind of was pushed away and said, okay, now I understand. Yeah. That helped me tremendously. Yeah. Did you ever imagine that you, this is the position that you were going to end up with? No, I mean, I, I, I'll be celebrating 30 years sobriety next year, uh, next June, and, and uh, um, I never imagined where I would be today. I mean, I, I remember somebody saying in recovery, you know, you're going to have a job and you're going to have a credit card wow. and you have a license. Wow. And I went, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have seven cents, so yeah, you're, you know. And so I never imagined it. Um, and it's funny because when I got, got elected, the newsreels all said, homeless man becomes mayor. And I said, wait a second here. You know, I wasn't homeless. And, and then suddenly said, you know, yeah. somebody came by and said, what are you doing yeah. today, Mike? Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's, that's one for mayorship. But I was lucky enough that I had the opportunity to run for, um, I was a regional and city councilor um, uh, that I got elected in 2014. And then in 2018, uh, the mayor at the time came to me and said, Dan, I need you to run for mayor. And I said, I don't know if I'm ready. And he said, no, no, you're the right guy for the right time. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, with the support of my family, I was lucky enough to be able to be elected. I, I was able to gather 70% of the vote. And so I was really wow. pleased about that. Yeah. And a lot of people you know, said, wow, that's really impressive. I said, what, what you don't understand is nobody else ran against me. So it's not that <laughs> impressive, but there were a lot of other people. But I was just really lucky that the, the, the community gave me an opportunity, as broken as I was, they yes. gave me a chance. And so, but it also gave me a chance to speak to the media all across the country about right. not only our great city, but about the struggles that cities are facing it today and about some of the conversations that we needed to have. And as I'm, I'm a broken individual, but I mm. continue to work on my brokenness so that someday, um, I'm, I really hope that someday when I get uh, home, that God will say to me, you know, Danny, I, I, there was a couple times I thought you were going to come home early. <laughs> but you fought through it and I knew yeah. that you would do the right thing. And, mm -hmm. and I think I think that I, I continue to walk into my office every day, and mm -hmm. you've been to my office, mm -hmm. and I walk in every day and I see that nameplate and I go, wow, yeah. can you believe yeah. it? And I, and I can't yeah. believe it. So well, I'm God. a lucky guy. So in closing, um, I just want you to take a few minutes to talk to someone who may be feeling a bit discouraged, maybe share a Bible verse. Yeah. Um, so someone who's, who's looking at their life and saying, hey, I'm struggling, what would you say to them? My biggest thing is, is that you, you need to, you, you truly need to know, know this, is, is that, that God loves you mm -hmm. unconditionally, as broken as you may be. But the reality being is, is that all of us are being equipped mm -hmm. by God to be able to serve for God mm -hmm. and for individuals that are struggling just like us. If mm -hmm. you're dealing with addiction or mental health, you're dealing with uh, brokenness, a broken marriage, you, you lost your job, you're, you're, you're struggling right now, understand that God is preparing you. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all have to kind of understand that. I think that James 1 talks about, uh, really about this kind of, you're going to be tested and God's going to test you and he's really going to That's right. pre press you to, to yeah. the mat. But the reality being is, is I think that what, what he is saying is, is that I need you to experience something so that you can understand where I need you to serve. Yeah. I, I, you know, I shared this with you when, when we uh, walked together um, at City Hall. I said, you know, there's something significant when I think about Jesus washing someone's feet. Yes. And think about that humility that comes in and yeah. even the king of kings. Yes 
as low as low to be able to wash one's, one's feet, yeah. really talks about that's where God needs us. He yes. needs us to serve. That's where our faith yeah. and our lives and our relationship come together is when we're in service, yeah. that's where God connects us. Yeah. And I think that for all of us that are going through a really unusual time right now, just know that God loves you, mm. that he's preparing you, and that truly I believe this mm -hmm. in my heart of hearts because I am living proof that it's not going to be easy. You're going to continue to be uh, yes. tested. You're going to continue to lose people and, and have hardships. But it's not because God is punishing you. It's because God is preparing you and just truly believe mm. So mm. that's that's what I believe. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Can I yeah. ask you to pray for us? Absolutely. Abso okay. Absolutely. And I just, you know, I want, I want to take this opportunity just to say thank you very much for allowing me to spend some time with you. Mm -hmm. And I only wish you... Um, the very best in success, not only with the show, but with your life and, and you. your teaching. So thank, thank you, you so very much. much. I, I, I ask all of us to come together today and, mm -hmm. and just give thanks uh, today for this opportunity to be able to have these kind of conversations. We hope that today's conversation, God, is going to reach out to those that are maybe suffering today. I hope there are individuals that are sitting somewhere by themselves and truly understand that God loves them. Mm -hmm. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to continue to equip us with wisdom and knowledge and courage. Continue to guide us uh, through this uh, path of life and uh, truly understand that we have purpose and that we will be able to walk together uh, as a group and as a community. We ask you for healing of those that are dealing with mental health or addiction. Mm. We ask you, Heavenly Father, for those that are unsheltered across this great country of Canada, let us uh, uh, truly reach out to them and let them know that they are not alone. We ask you, Heavenly Father, never forget about the struggles that all of us have. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to continue to place your hand upon our brokenness and let Amen. us know that we are loved mm -hmm. and cared for. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we ask you uh, in your name to be able to continue to lift up our cities, our country, our province, lift up our leadership, lift up Mike and Renee. Let them know that the work that they are doing today uh, will touch so many lives across this great nation. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. When I was listening to Dan's story, I was reminded of John chapter 5, which speaks about a pool where there are many people lying around all day waiting for a miracle. They were blind and lame and paralyzed. And Jesus came to a man who was in the most helpless condition. He was in an incurable invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he asked him, do you want to get well? That's an important question because many people are looking for healing and for happiness. But when it is offered to them, they have to choose to believe that it is possible. They have to have hope. As we learn from listening to Dan's story, it is the same with breaking free from addictions. If you right now are suffering from any kind of addiction, Jesus is asking you today, do you want to get well? As Dan Carter shared with us today, there are people who are willing to help you to recover, to set you free. We have a little booklet completely free of charge for you today. It's called Breaking Addictions. And this little booklet also includes resources that can help you to break free from addictions. So if you have a smartphone, get it ready or a pen and paper to take down the details that you will need to get this free offer, Breaking Addictions. Here's the information you need.
we want you to experience the truth that is found in the words of Jesus when he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. Or you can go to IIW Canada YouTube and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.